Something New is supported by listeners like you. Visit paypal.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to Something New, episode 311, um, which I believe was also a band in the 90s. In anticipation of my solo concert happening Friday, April 24th at 9.30pm at the Duplex, get your tickets now, I sat down with not one, not two, but three respected artists in the cabaret world to ask them about the impetus for getting into cabaret, what they've learned, and what inspires them. Today's first guest artist is an actress, writer, and cabaret artist living in New York City. She's originally from the Boston area and holds a BM from NYU. As a cabaret artist, she's performed at venues throughout New York City, including 54 Below, the Metropolitan Room, and Lincoln Center. Last fall, she was a featured artist at Birdland alongside Donna McKechnie and Jerry Mitchell. She recently attended the Eugene O'Neill Cabaret Conference, directed by John McDaniel, where she started developing Familiar Things, her most recent cabaret, which earned her second Mac nomination. Obviously, I'm talking about Nikki McCallum! So, ladies and gentlemen, I am sitting here with the one and only Nikki McCallum. Nikki, how's it going? It's going great! How's it going? Good, good, it's very good, thank you. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen you. I know. We were just talking about that. It's four like years. Four years. A college degree later. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I measure time like that. Do you? Or, um, you know, I didn't until just now. So thanks like, for making me feel ancient. <laughs> well, I had. Well, I mean, it's just it just goes to prove. I mean, like everyone should feel ancient because in um, sync's "No Strings Attached" album celebrated 15 years yesterday. Oh God. And that made me feel ancient. Yeah. And um, and so now I bring that. I pay it forward, really. You know what? Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll be sure to pay it forward to Please do. Later. Please make yeah. someone else feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're on my show today. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, so I reached out to Nikki uh, because uh, she's amazing. And I'm also, I, as you're listening, I'm making this episode talking to different cabaret people in the cabaret world um, and just trying to get their take on what they're doing and why they do it and how they do it. When did you get into cabaret and why? I think I've always loved the art form, but I first got into it, it was around 2008, I think, when the economy totally tanked, and I'd just taken my equity card at that time. Wow. And so, needless to say, I was... <laughs> no one was hiring me. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> so I was like, okay, how can I take advantage of my time here in New York and take matters into my own hands and not have to wait on someone else. I was like, I'm going to do a cabaret and invite agents and whatnot. Right. And it turned out that I love the art form so much and I love storytelling and I think that cabaret is just so intimate and it's such a unique, special art form that unfortunately gets lost. And I think there are a lot of misconceptions about it and what it is and uh, to me, watching one person alone on stage for an hour however long is one of the most compelling when it's done well is just so compelling in anticipation of my own cabaret show that i'm doing on april 24th i can't um, wait to come see it i'm excited for you to come <laughs> um so 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 i was just looking and i know the the mac awards are coming up and i just decided to look at the nominees to see if i knew anybody and i did and it was nikki mccallum which is crazy congratulations thank you this is your second nomination yeah yeah, yeah. In the best musical comedy performer. Yes. Yes. Was that 
where you were nominated last time as well? Or? No, last time I was nominated in the debut category. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep. And who who were you pitted against? Who, who Which undeserving talent won last time? <laughs> <laughs> um, Liz Larkin-Brown won oh, last okay. time, who's okay. fantastic. Yes, she is this. fantastic. All right. I'll we'll, take it. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> we'll give her that one. Yes. Just that one. <laughs> Um, and I noticed uh, you're you're one of three nominees. Yeah, and you're the only lady. I am. That is impressive. Thank you. I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised too. I um, you know, forgive my naivete, but I always kind of picture like cabaret is kind of like a woman's world. Is that fair? You know, I think there is that stereotype, but there was actually an article in the Times after the recent New York cabaret convention that focused on how many men, how many male artists were actually in that convention. Hmm. And so I don't know if maybe the art form is trending more towards gender equality or gender balance, but yeah, usually when you think of cabaret artists, I think of females, but there's a lot of men in it nowadays. Hmm. Yeah. Holy crap, the award ceremony is in three days. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. So, um, so I feel like I'm just kind of like part of the press junket. I'm I'm really, this feels, you're making me feel really great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you are great. <laughs> um, you know, um, unfortunately, this will air weeks after it's actually already happened. So That's we, okay. so I should just say the congratulations now. <laughs> so we're just we're just secreting it now we're before before anyone board. knows. Are you going? I am. Mm-hmm. What are you wearing? Who are you I'm wearing? Deba- <laughs> Who am I wearing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm debating between two different dresses right now. It's really going to depend on how much I eat that day. Um, Fair enough. Yep. You know, yeah. so it's kind of going to be a game time decision. Okay. If I have Chinese food for lunch, I'll probably go with something. A yeah, like a little... You know. <laughs> <laughs> so. a little more, you know, a little more... For full, full figure. Billowy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> never been to the Mac Awards. What are they like? They're fun. They're at BB King, and it's a pretty long evening. It's um, It's kind of structured like any typical awards... Ceremony. There's an opening number. They there's a, an MC. I'm not sure who the host is this year, but uh, you know they announce each category, and then certain categories. If you win, you are performing. Mm. So it's kind of a mix of awards and performances, and then I believe there's a group finale number as well. Okay, it's very it's a cabaret in and of itself. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you were nominated for your show, Familiar Things. Yes. Uh, which, dear listeners, is a celebration of candor and ebb music with musical direction and arrangements by Mark Hartman, who's great. Mark's great. Yay! And direction by Kelvin Moon Lowe. Kelvin Moon Lowe, yes! Ah, yes, mm-hmm. love that name. Uh, <laughs> uh, and his hair. His sh- hair is... It, it should it's, be it's Mac nominated. Yeah. <laughs> it should be Mac. Yeah. His hair should have a separate nomination. I agree. Yeah. The, the show takes us from familiar childhood memories that one day become unfamiliar to the unfamiliar challenges of adulthood that one day become familiar. Say that ten times I fast. won't. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. So what, um, let's see, so it was at the, the duplex and 54 Below. Yes. And um, it's obviously amazing, and, and here you are about to uh, probably accept an award of that. <laughs> so what was the impetus of Familiar Things? Yeah, so it actually started, I went to, as I said before, the Eugene O'Neill Cabaret Conference Mm -hmm. a year and a half ago now. So this is your culmination of that? Yeah. Nice. So I had gone and done some work there, and it's funny, the last day, I mean, it's a fantastic, fantastic program, and what's awesome about it is the ratio of performers to music directors is incredible. It was like two performers per every music director, 
And each music director kind of specialized in a different genre of cabaret. So they had someone who was an incredible jazz pianist, someone who was more musical theater. Um, Mm -hmm. You get the point. Yeah. And um, so the last day, what we did is we swapped pianists. After we had already performed the pieces that we had been working on at the O'Neill, we swapped pianists and Mark and I got paired together. And we, I think it was like, somehow it came out that I loved Kander and Ab and he loved Kander and Ab and we were just kind of noodling around on the piano and came up with this arrangement of New York, New York and, um, God, what's that song from Once You Dream from Steel Pier? Uh-huh. And something about that arrangement just kind of like haunted me. And Mark was like, oh, you should think about doing a Kander and Ab cabaret. And I'm like, that's a great idea. And so that's where it formed and Mark and I kept in touch and worked together. And then we did pieces of it at Lincoln Center through the O'Neill several months later, and it just continued to develop, and here here we are. And now you have a whole evening. Yeah. That's amazing. Why why is it important to you and cabaret artists in general to to give your cabaret a shape? Like, you know, there's, there's cabarets and there's concerts mm-hmm. and recitals, um, so why is it important to give it something like that and not just let it be an evening of songs? And there's nothing wrong with an evening of songs. Yeah, no, but, evening of songs are great. But that's different. Right. Right, in sync is it to to bring it back full circle? Yes, <laughs> we can always bring it back. To always bring it back in sync. Um, you know, I think it's important to give a cabaret show an art because it's that's the art form that it is. It's an art form of storytelling, and I feel like it's a way for an artist to express themselves. And if you want to do an evening of songs, that's great. But I feel like what's so special about cabaret is the through line, and that through line doesn't always have to be dramatic. It can be a musical through line. It can be a subject matter through line. Some cabarets have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I think it can be whatever you want it to be, but that's what I think makes that art form really special and unique. Crafting a one-person show is challenging, and it's awesome, and it's about telling your story. It's very personal, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what makes it engaging for the audience. And for me, what's always unique is how you can take a song out of context and craft it into a cabaret. And that's what makes a cabaret different from just an evening of of song. The collaboration between music director and performer is so important in cabaret. And I think a lot of people are under the misconception that you can kind of put together a show and then a week before find a pianist and rehearse. Uh And that's uh not how it works. I mean, Mark and I collaborated from day one. And the cabaret was built, or Familiar Things rather, was, you know, built... Mark and I came up with a list of 50 Kander and Ebb songs that, really, that I liked, <laughs> if we're being honest, and then kind of whittled them down and figured out what could be um, combined, what would make a nice arrangement, and, you know, weighed that against what my dramatic intent was for the evening. Mm-hmm. And so Mark and I worked together, and there were some songs that, I wanted in there, but dramatically couldn't fit. There were some songs that musically, you can't have too many ballads. Yeah. It's a real art to shaping that. My show is about, it's a little over an hour. I want to say it's an hour ten, maybe. Okay. And how many songs do you get in that hour ten? I think it's 13. Okay. With the encore, maybe? Okay. 13. Yeah. And how, so how much banter is in there as well? Oh, I love banter. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> There's quite a bit. You know, what's funny is I'm more of a banter patter person. I love, if you can't tell, I love to talk. Um, and my first cabaret, Matchmaker Match Willing to Settle, b- before it was a musical when that was in pure cabaret form, mm-hmm. I would say was heavy on the patter. 
Whereas Familiar Things is very heavy on the music. There's far less dialogue than my normal stuff. Okay. Um, and I really think it depends on, again, what you're trying to do. Some songs require a lot of setup, and there's sometimes where a moment is more powerful if you just let the music speak for itself. And I love to sing, but I'm far more comfortable talking in front of an audience. And just being yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. what I love to do. So it was interesting when the final product of Familiar Things came out, that it was mostly music. How much of familiar things, like the banter, is scripted? Like this show points? is all, it's all scripted. Wow. It's all scripted. That's one of the things I learned at the O'Neill's. I'm kind of an off-the-cuff type of person. Yeah. I just, when I'm memorizing patter that is written for me, I get super in my head about it, and I'm like, oh my god, this sounds memorized. How do I make it not sound memorized? Yeah. Um... But it's crazy. Eric Kornfeld was uh, at the O'Neill, and he actually helped. He wrote a parody for uh, a parody of Class for Familiar Things, and helped shape some of the pattern. And it's amazing to me how important certain, like the order of words are in terms of getting a laugh. Mm -hmm. Like the K sound, for example. For some reason, the K sound scientifically gets more laughs from an audience. So, like using different words in comedy. <laughs> actually can make a difference. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so this version of the show was very scripted. Um, Familiar Things was very, very scripted. And yeah. did you feel that kind of freed you up a little bit? or I found it to be a little bit more challenging. Yeah. But I think that the end product was more polished. Hmm. It's just, it's a different type of energy. What kind of band do you like to, to sing with? I love bass and drums. Yeah, Piano right? bass and drums. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are we talking like, like upright? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. A little upright bass. Keep, keep it classy. All about that bass. <laughs> All about that bass. <laughs> well, talk to me about your collaboration with Calvin, who you've known yeah, forever. Yeah, I've known forever, and he directed um, my, last, right, my last cabaret, too. That's also super important, and it's so important. One of the reasons Calvin and I collaborate so well together is I trust his opinion, I mean, above anyone else's, and he and I have the relationship where he's not afraid to give it to me straight. So I know that if Kelvin has an opinion, and I, you know, when you're on stage, you can't monitor yourself, so no. I trust him enough that I'm like, okay, I'm going to defer to Kelvin. Even yep. if this doesn't feel right, you need to have someone you can defer to. Yeah. Uh, and he's fantastic uh, when it comes to especially in the writing process. I mean, he helped shape the script and the pattern. Yeah. He's great at being like, you think this is funny? Trust me, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and he's usually right. So, yeah. you know, and if there's a different disagreement, we'll talk it out and, you know, I'll try something and it won't land and he'll be like, I told you so. Or it will land and he'll be like, oh, nice job. Yeah. So it's really, um, you know, we're super tight and that is also a very important collaboration to have. I'm sure it helps to um, not just have like these one night only things so that you can put it in front of an audience and you can mm -hmm. tweak as you go. Was that your experience with familiar things? There, again, a piece of it was done at Lincoln Center, so that was kind of its own thing, but mm -hmm. it had four performances that were over spread out over the course of eight months or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's super helpful. It's really important to perform in front of an audience because certain things land in ways you didn't expect them to. Certain things you are convinced are going to land and are brilliant and nobody laughs and you're like, oh my God, I just want to die right now. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and so it helps shape. You can feel where moments are slow. You can feel where transitions are not working quite the way you thought they would and make those adjustments. So what's the difference between cabaret performing and like performing in a show, would you say? Yeah, so performing in a show, you are, I mean, you're at the mercy of someone else's script 
right? It's mm-hmm. all very, I mean, depending on the show, you're learning choreography, you're learning lines, someone else, you have no creative control. And obviously you bring life to the role you're playing depending on whether you're a replacement or whatnot, but... Right, but the buck doesn't stop. The buck you. doesn't, right, exactly, exactly. You're part of an ensemble, um, you have a job and you have to do it and have a blast in the process and be creative throughout that process. But cabaret, I just think, is a very vulnerable art form. You're on stage by yourself, um, assuming you've written the show yourself. It's You're drawing from your personal stories and personal experience which uh can be very challenging and very scary (laughs) i know but i think that's the big difference um when i'm performing in a cabaret i feel like i'm sharing part of myself Mm -hmm. not that i don't feel that i'm sharing part of myself when i'm performing in a musical or a play but it's different because they're my words uh, cabaret has been a part of your career for a couple of years now. Yeah. This is a big question. What have you learned, like both from like your own shows and other mm-hmm. people's shows? Like what, like what to do, what never to do. There needs to be a balance. Like I don't, when I put together a cabaret, I don't ever want there to be a song in there that I'm not dying to sing. That said, I might be dying to sing three dramatic ballads. So I think you need to find a balance between okay. What am I just dying to perform? If I'm not dying to perform it, it's out of the show. However, what does an audience want to see? Mm-hmm. And, and finding that balance. Um, so I'm not being selfish, but also I'm giving the most... Uh, performing things I really want to be performing. Uh, and I think being not being afraid to be vulnerable, or be afraid to be vulnerable, but be it anyway, yep. I think is really so important. that fear kind of a thing? Yeah, and I've definitely made some bad decisions in cabaret. I mean, like, I've definitely performed numbers where I was like, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't the smartest choice. But that's how you learn, and it's about surrounding yourself with people who you trust to, you know, will cut that piece of the script before you open. <laughs> 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 lastly, do you have any parting advice for those out there in the, uh, the, st- the startup cabaret ether <laughs> that we haven't covered already? I would say just do it. Just write a show and and make it happen. Just do it. Yeah. Cool. Take a risk. <laughs> How's that for a cliche? <laughs> Just do it. Just do Take it. Take a risk. Nike paid me a lot of money. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nike, this was such a pleasure. Joel, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for talking with me. <laughs> of course. And uh, break a leg in a couple of days. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'll thank be thinking you. of you. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, I'll let I'll let you know what I eat and what dress I wear. Then. Please do. <laughs> please, you'll be please sitting on the edge of your them. seat, like hashtag with a hashtag. Yes, yeah, I will, I will. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And um, bye. Bye, guys. My second guest artist earned her BFA in drama at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, where she concentrated in musical theater at Cap Twenty One Conservatory, and also double majored in broadcast journalism. Proud member of Actors' Equity, she enjoys traveling to the many places her career takes her, from large regional houses across the country to teeny tiny theaters in New York and all in between. She's also fairly obsessed with developing new works and regularly participates in readings and workshops of new musicals and plays all over the town. When she's in singing a show tune, odds are she's either out running an inappropriate amount of miles in prep for her next marathon, she's run 15 of them, coaching young runners with Run for Fun Youth Running Club, or slinging sneakers at Jackrabbit Sports in Park Slope. Devotees will remember her from Something New Season 1, Episode 12, and her show, Songs for Square Pegs, just enjoyed its second incarnation at the Metropolitan Room. Obviously, I'm talking about Melanie Can. 
You are fancy. You are fancy. I'm sitting here with Melanie Can. Hi. Uh, we're here at a at, at a Gregory's. We are uh, yes. bustling. It is bustling, hustling and a bustling. Hustle and a bustle. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for meeting me. Here. I'm psyched to be here. You, I mean, I you ran here. I you ran literally here. ran here. Joel, you said come have coffee with me tomorrow morning, and I put on my backpack and I ran here. I love it. We didn't run all night. Yeah, right? I appreciate that. Allergies are rampant, so I can't really smell you right now. Anyway. I use that to my advantage. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I totally do. Unless you meet the scentiest of scenty espresso places right? in the city. Yeah. You'll never smell me. It's wonderful. Um, I'm so glad you could run over here and, and talk to me. Um, so so I asked Melanie to talk to me because she has not only done one concert recently, but she's done two. They're like potato chips. She you can't have it. just one. Right, right. No, no, you can't making Pringles references. That's absolutely. That's very novel. <laughs> so, so tell me. So you. So the concert was called Round Songs for Square Pegs. Songs for Square Pegs. Songs for Square Pegs. Although that would be funny. Round Songs for Square Pegs. <laughs> I was thinking about it on the train here, and I was like, What was it called? What was it called? The Songs for Square Pegs. Yep. And uh, you did it not once but twice at the Metropolitan, it which twice. is uber yeah. fancy. Very so fancy. I ask you, what was the impetus to do it the first time, and what was the impetus to do it again? Uh huh. Well, you know, the first time. Okay, I have to backtrack a little bit. My yeah. husband has been on my case for about a decade. Yeah. Um, I mean, we met when we were ten. Um, <laughs> he's no, he's been on my case for about a decade. <laughs> he just, so, got yeah, just got it. Yeah, just got it. Wow. Oh, more coffee. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's been on my case for about a decade to do my own show. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I do my own show. Do my own show. Okay, sure, whatever. Shut up and do the dishes. That's kind of you know my yeah, that conversation that's, always that's the went. Yeah. Yep. Because I don't do dishes. <laughs> um, Jealous. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so he's on my case for years and years and years. Do my own show. And then I had drinks with a certain somebody who <laughs> yeah. shall not be named. Shall not be named. He might be drinking iced coffee and isn't fully awake yet. Does not rhyme with Joel V. Shoe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's my hotel alias. Exactly. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Shoe. Smith and Shoe. Um, um, anyway, I, I had beverages with, with, with a certain somebody yeah. uh, last sure. summer. After I, I didn't book a summer gig that I really thought I was going to book, and a little disappointed by that, blah, 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 talking about love and life, yes, and we blah, were. blah, blah, over several Sam Adamses. There were a lot of Sam Adamses. Um, and basically, basically, we were like, great, so I look forward to your email tomorrow telling me that you booked your show. <laughs> Essentially, that's how that went. Yeah, like you were talking yeah. me into doing my own show. I was, yeah. I was thinking about it on the fence, and you were like, well, why aren't you? And you totally pulled a Melanie on me, and I was like, yeah, you're right. I, there's no reason for me not to do this. And so I emailed them, and I, I might have pretended to be a little fancier than I already was. Hey. And I dropped a few Take names. It to you, make it. Yeah, exactly. I was like, hey, I know such and such, such and such, such and such. I have a one-woman show, and I've chosen your place to do my show. Wow. Aren't you lucky? Good for you. I remember that email. Yeah, and they wrote back, "We'd love to have you. We love those people." And that's how that was. That's how that went down. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. And it was incredibly well received. Yeah, I had a blast. Thanks. It was so much it was, fun. It was a lot of fun. You know, it's my first time doing it, and yeah, yeah it's it very fun. fun, very funny, very quippy. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of belting. 
A lot of belting. Yeah. A lot of belting. Yeah. 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 It was wonderful. And I wasn't quite the healthiest, but you know, it made it work. <laughs> well, your he- husband but looks like on his he, deathbed. He had like he had like bronchitis. Yeah. And J- like uh, J- Jason MD'd and yes. accompanied the whole thing Jason and like did MD'd. the arrangements. Yeah. He's, and, yeah, he's, yeah. He's kind of he's the real deal. He's the real deal. Yeah. Um, he was sick, and I was like trying not to catch it. Yeah. You know, your body goes kind of into like Fort Knox mode, like yep. not letting anything in. Nope, and, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So no, but it went. I was really really pleased with it, and I was. This is gonna sound crazy but I was surprised at how much fun it was yeah honestly which is so stupid like I'm singing show tunes and I'm talking about things that I like and all about myself and me 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 why wouldn't I like this (laughs) you are human I'm human yeah Um, but yeah it was a lot of fun so I wanted to do it again Um, yeah and I wanted to totally rethink it and do something totally different actually because I have other ideas yeah oh good to see Wade Henry Higgins tell me um no, I, I want to do other things, but Jason said, no, you need to do the same show twice, because you're going to build on it. You're going to learn things, you're going to see what lands, you're going to fix things. So it's, it's just a good idea to experience it twice. And I am That's glad smart. I experienced That's it smart. twice. Um, and I'm really itching to do something else, something new, something different. I'm sure. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, so what, what did you learn the second time around that you didn't learn the first time? Second time around... Well, first of all, the songs live differently in you. You know, like, I, I had done it in September. Um, I was in one place in September, and, you know, I, I, did, I did it for the second time in March. I had just uh, left like my... Later. Yeah, six months later. I just left my job, my day job, which I, I did love. I do love, still, um, of nine years, um, yeah. which was kind of an emotional thing. You know, I, I didn't realize how much that had influenced me and how much emotional space that took up, yeah. actually. Um, and so different songs just live differently. Um, I found that my banter, you know, the pitter-patter in between uh-huh, uh-huh. songs, the first time I had thought it out so thoroughly and I knew exactly what I was going to say, and because I felt that I knew the song so well, I thought that the banter would flow just as quickly and it, or readily, and it was just different. Yeah, it wasn't poor, it was just different, and it was strange. Different, it lived differently. That's the really different the only way to... Okay. Press that. Okay. And that was vocally healthier, which was always nice. Yeah. It's always nice. Not you sounded great both it. times. Thank you. Yeah. It, it, it's nice to feel like, I can sing this. Oh, God, that song's next? As opposed to, <laughs> yes, that song's next. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> Versus, yay. That's hilarious. And you had a three-piece band, right? I did. I had, I had piano, bass, and drums. Yeah. yeah. It was a great set. What's different about performing your own movement show versus like doing a musical where you're like part of a cast? Um, I mean, do you it, approach them differently? It's a really good question. Um, doing your, I mean, doing your own show, you are the cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, yeah. Did you have a director? No, I did not have a okay. director. Okay. Uh, and that's something I would kind of, I, I, I might welcome next time. Um, I mean, it was just, I, I had, think the first time out, I was just so. It was, it was enough of new stuff coming at me, and I, I just, for some reason, I felt that adding somebody else's opinion to the body. mix yeah. would have just, ooh, this lynch fly, uh, would have just confused me, yeah. um, and, and made me more in my head, and I really need to get out of my head. Yeah. Um, and actually, a director friend of mine came to watch my show, and he he was also a teacher of mine for a long time. He actually said that, it's like, I've never seen this side of you. Like, really? Because that was just me on stage. Mm. Exactly. So, which I thought was interesting. I was more me on stage than I ever was in class or in any of the projects he'd directed. Um, so, I mean, I mean, it's exactly that. Like, you are you. Um, and in some cases, it's like you 
are a character, mm -hmm. which is, as opposed to like playing a character who is usually somebody else. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're playing you. Like you yeah, um, you on steroids. Yeah, it's kind of like you on, exactly, you on steroids. <laughs> 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 and all my keys are suddenly lower. A lot lower. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's basically it. And it's like, sometimes it's like, wow, is this too much? Is this too much? It's all about me. It's, that's really awkward. And, you know, Jason, my husband, is like, well, yeah, it's your show. It's got to be all about you. Yeah. Hmm, okay, I have permission to do that then. Yeah. As opposed to when you're in a show with some, with people, like, kind of like, you got to throw the ball and someone's got to yeah. throw it back at you, you know? Yeah. It's interesting with solo work how, um, in a way, because it is kind of all about you, yeah. but at the same time, like, you have to let go of a lot of ego. That's what mm -hmm. I'm learning. Yep. And I find that combination very interesting. Interesting, and also, I think it's refreshing when you let go of that ego, there's a lot less pressure. Yep. It's like, like right, well, you know, I might doing. suck. Okay, let's find out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this might be terrible. This might be terrible. But isn't it fun? I, I mean, I think that having a sense of humor is really, really helpful in that sense. Okay, cool. You know? Um, yeah. It's yeah. fun, though. I never thought it would be fun. You look like you're having a lot of fun. In your dresses. My dresses. Why is it important to give a concert like uh, Songs for Square Pegs a shape and not just let it be an evening of songs? Like, why Why did you want to give it yeah. a title? And Because uh, you did take us on a journey. We talked a lot about where you were and... Um, yeah, I mean, it's and kind of... I just of like a... singing like, your Melanie's Greatest Hits. Yeah, I mean... I, I suppose somebody could be like, hey, this is such a, like, my greatest hits. Like, I don't know, if you're Beyonce. Sure. But, uh, I mean, yeah, we're actors. We tell stories. So that's what we're doing. We're telling stories. And it's, this is my story um, in, in this context. And every song is a little story within that bigger arc. Um, it, it kind of, it certainly makes my job easier. As a as a storyteller, um, as a singer, and a, and, and a, you know, as, as a performer, it's, it's it's more fun. It strings things together. It makes sense. Yeah. You know, it helps songs make sense as opposed to like, and now I'm going to rap for you, and now I'm going to sing a love, a haunting ballad, and or making just all no ballads. sense. Or about all ballads. All ballads. We'll all go to sleep. Yeah, that'd be terrible. Yeah. You collaborated with your husband on this piece. Yeah. What was like? What was that like? Oh, what was that like? <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, it was something like this. <laughs> do this. <laughs> no. I think I'm going to do this. I just said that. It was my idea. <laughs> and see. And see. And you did no. that. It, 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 no, he really was. He was... It, it's always hard, tough because, you know, the people closest to you tell you to do things, tell you to do things. It's like, mm -hmm. you know they're right, but you need to yeah. decide that. Yep. Um, but, I mean, he was amazing. He went above and beyond. He was so busy during that time, and he still made he made room for my little show and you know arranging my little songs. And he brought it. He did a great job. It was um, the second time out we didn't rehearse with the band. The first time out we did. We went to the studio and like had a full-on band rehearsal. Nice. The second time out, you know, I've known the musicians like know for a it. long yeah. time. We know it. Um, and that was interesting a little bit. I think that maybe were I to do it again, I would have a band rehearsal anyway. Just because, not not because of them, but because of me. Yeah. Kind of put my head in the game more. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I know they're incredible, and of course they sounded great. But like for me, I think that maybe my arc would have been clearer and my context of things, you know. Mm. So advice for anybody doing cabaret, I would say, or, or wanting to do one. Yeah. 
I say, hold your breath, send that email, and you're going to figure it out. Trust yourself, you're going to figure it out, because I think it's probably the scariest thing to be like, hi everybody, come see me on stage singing in a spotlight, doing my show. Come look at me. Oh, and pay, by the way, to look at me. Two drinks. Two drinks, also. Um, Come get drunk and watch me. Like, that's a scary thing to ask people to do, but just trust that you're going to figure it out. Once you get up there, you're not gonna get. You're just. You're not gonna get up on stage and poop yourself. You're not going to. It's gonna be better than that. <laughs> One would hope. One would hope. And if you do, you know that's probably really entertaining. That's probably gonna go viral. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Think uh, No, just trust yourself. You're not an idiot. Or but you're an idiot. You're charming. But do the work. But also do the work. Do the work and then let it go. You know what I mean? Like do the work. Do the work. Yeah. Um, but then like don't do the like let it go and trust yourself. I love that. Um, and what's next? What's next? Um, well, I'm going away. Bye. Going away. I'm leaving. No, no. sad face. I'm coming back though. You better. Uh, it's kind of exciting. Um, well, first, uh, in two weeks, I'm going to. First, I'm going to get my running coach certification at the RRCA, which is the Roadrunners Club of America. Wonderful. At their national convention. That's huge. In Iowa, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of excited. I'll actually like officially know what I'm doing, and I'll be able to tell other people too. Also, and then I'm going straight from there to um, to Allenberry Playhouse, where I will be playing the Green Girl in Shout, the Mod Musical. Yay! Yay! I'm so excited. Congratulations. Thank you. I just feel like this year has been such like a like a lot of leaps. Mm-hmm. A lot of leaps and I've just been like landing on bouncy mattresses and finding the next thing. It's been great. So yeah, I quit my day job and I went on some auditions and I booked something. I'm excited. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, so do you then think I, your solo show had anything to do with that? I think, you know, I think it made me, it helped me have a little bit more confidence in the room. It helped me like remember to let go and just be myself in the room. My audition was good. It was solid, but I mean, I'm no better than anybody else. It's just whether or not you are the person they, they want. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that I was able to be that person, you know. Um, so I'm going to do Shout the Mod Musical until mid-June. And then I'm thinking my next show, I've already have an idea. I don't know if it should be a blog or a show or both. Uh, but it's definitely going to be called uh, Show Tunes and Sneakers. Ooh. Yeah, because that's pretty much my life, Show Tunes and Sneakers. Okay. Yeah, so that's that. That sounds great. Well, I look forward to attending that. <laughs> and um, congratulations on, on Shout. Thanks. And um, I just adore you. And thank, congratulations to you, sir. Oh, thank you. On your show that I have to miss. I know. Everybody, please go to Joel's show for me. <laughs> thank you, Melanie. I'll, I'll send you underwear that you can throw on the stage. <laughs> yeah, that's really creepy it'll and be, weird. It will be, be clean, clean, though. It will be clean. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Melanie, thank you so much for chatting with You're me today. Welcome. My pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye. Make sure you purchase your $12 tickets to my mid-season concert happening Friday, April 24th at 9.30 p.m. at the Duplex in the West Village. A ticket link can be conveniently found on the joelbnew.com homepage. While you're there, you can access the entire Something New episode archive by clicking on the podcast tab. You'll find episodes featuring conversations and performances by the likes of Gay Marshall and Matt Wilson, both masters of the one-person show experience. Her songs are so compelling to me because of the human stories behind them. 
and because I know everything about the people who wrote for her and what she was going through. So that does have an added dimension, but the actual song, I think I just love to sing songs that I can see. I have to see them. Hmm. They're like, I, I'm, I'm sure this is nothing original, but they're just like little movies to me, and I really see incredible detail in them. And if I can't, then I can't sing it. The, the story of wanting to be a doctor and wanting to be a clown is very personal to me. And I thought that might be an interesting thing to explore using clown and circus uh, theater and sideshow stunts. I think it's going to be the one of the only times you'll ever see such a wide array of feats, physical feats, performed by one person in one place at the same time. Uh, it's kind of styled after a sideshow 10 in one, where you see 10 different acts in one place. But even there, it's usually done by several performers. Yeah. And so, I, but I'm doing them all myself. Jack of all trades, theater person, Thomas built sets for HBO, earned his equity card playing Harry McAvee in Bye Bye Birdie, designed lights for various theaters throughout the city, taught at the Yale Cabaret Conference, and toured the country with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I'm totally going to ask you about. <laughs> Thomas made his cabaret debut in 2004 with Going on Faith, for which he was nominated for a Mac Award. He won two years later for his follow-up show, Dreaming Wide Awake. Now, is that a Scott Allen song reference? Or no, is that... that bastard. <laughs> bastard. He goes, you know, I hate to tell you this, but I, I, I'm going, I love that title. I'm going to use it. He stole that from you? Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah, because he used to have like a songwriter night here, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, he came to my show a couple... And, like, informed you. You, you can, yeah, he informed me. He goes, by the way, I just want you to know, I really like that title and I'm going to use it. Like, you <laughs> That is amazing. Um, Thomas has been an integral part of the duplex for 19 years and has been the proud program director for its cabaret theater since 2006. He has recently collaborated with his creative partner and director, Lisa Moss, on their third show together, Dancing with Death, which can be seen at the duplex on May 27th and July 12th at 7pm. All proceeds go to the ALS Association and Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. When not in the theater, he has spent time studying with shamans from around the world and is a rabid Buffalo Bills fan. Obviously, I'm talking about Thomas Honick. Thomas Honick, thanks for being on my show. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Yeah, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, and we're on location. It's very exotic. Of yes, me. isn't it? Yeah, we're here Have at you the duplex. Seen these yet? I was just eyeing these as they were cleaning up. These are gorgeous. Yeah. They can't see what I'm talking about. But, uh, but there are five stunning portraits of really famous people who apparently have performed here. Yes. The only one that uh, it doesn't is uh, just Jack from Will and Grace, that Sean Hayes type of thing. It's the joke that they used to do on the Oh, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's the only one that has not ever been on the duplex. Stage. Got it. So that's just a spoof of an idea. Just, or, yeah. yeah. But Joan played both the original club over mm -hmm. on Grove Street and here. Yeah. And the other people were all in the original. That's amazing. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. The, the original booking manager for the duplex was Hal Holbrook, who okay. developed Mark Twain Tonight at the club there. So he moved that from, you know, doing it in just a little room to Broadway and all those amazing shows that he did around the country. So you can get some, you can start in cabaret go somewhere. <laughs> Living proof, five or four and a half examples yeah, right there. Yeah. So yeah, we are here in the Cabaret Theater at the Duplex Absolutely. on Christopher Street, and you were telling me earlier that this is not the original Duplex. No. There was one on Grove Street? Yeah, Grove Street. Where yeah, is that just, from here? Just right, uh, literally across the street. Really? Yeah, there's Andy's Deli, uh -huh. and Grove Street is right 
south of that. Okay. And so it's just tucked up right by Marie's Crisis. Okay. Have you ever been there? I have not. Big piano bar. Yes, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. So they, they, the, that's where the duplex was. It moved here in the 80s, and then that spot became... Rose's turn. Yeah, which is no longer with us. So. No, unfortunately. Um, we are we are the last man standing in the, in the village for Cabaret. Who'd have thunk? 88s. And, you know, but we've been going for closing in on 70 years now. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Anything that has had that kind of longevity, I mean, this must be like a historical uh, building at this point, right? I don't is know that... if the building is historical, but you know, at least the... The name and the pride of it. Yeah. You know, most, most of the historical record goes down to just down the street to Stonewall. Indeed, yes. indeed. So they, they get the historical. <laughs> they pride. win. Yeah, they win. Absolutely. <laughs> but you, so so seventy years. Um, you've been here for nineteen of them. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. I got here. I got here in ninety-five. Okay. Yeah. And where where did you start? Ooh. <laughs> I started in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> there's a basement of the duplex. Oh, there is. There, yep. yep. There's another level. Um, yeah, um, I was brought on as a weekend manager and I would count the money and, and set up the drawers and make sure the club was all clean and all that type of stuff. And, um, and then I, I kind of, it was, I was doing it to earn money to do a, a film project and then the film project kind of fell through and okay. it was just like, mm, I don't know, I don't really need to keep doing this. Um, and I left and then they ended up, they had an opening in the, the booth a little while later. And they said, you know, why don't you come back and work in the booth? And I was like, all right, you know, I could, I could see that. And he, the guy, the guy was, it was Jim Latzel. He was like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll rule the world. We'll run it. So he would, he would go off and do like twi- light Twyla Thorpe. And I would like run the room for six weeks. Then I went to the Cleveland Playhouse to do Lady from the Sea, and so he ran it for eight weeks. Okay. So it was a great two-man team. And then uh, Twyla kind of took him away, and then he eventually ended up at Connecticut at a college. Um, but so he left me here after like a year of saying we would rule together, <laughs> and, and he gave you the full I'll, throne. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all of a sudden, I went from being just a technician to being the head technician and hiring yeah. people and. Which is always it. And when did the title of program of or director of programming come in? Um, we, uh, I had been doing this for a number of years, and I had gone through ten booking managers in ten years. Not me personally, but the club yeah. had. Wow. Some lasted six months. Some lasted three years. But every, everybody had a short lifespan. There okay. was there was a different owner. That Why do you think that was? Ownership. Okay. So, um, so it was a challenge. To work here, okay. um, but ownership changed um, right before I came into the to be asked to be a part of the this to run the room. Um, and our last kind of guy kind of absconded. And we were left with nobody to run the room, and so they said, "Would you do it?" And I was like, oh, I don't, "No, no, I don't know." Um, but we were, I mean, literally, we were left with the covered bear. It was it was July, and normally you're booked two to three months in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy left in mid-June, and we had five shows booked in July and nothing. So I was left with the covered bear, and it was like, all right, I'm not going to panic. I'm just going to figure out. I learned a lot 
of how not to do the job from the previous ten booking managers. <laughs> um, probably you know, there was there were some that were there, you know everybody had their good points in that, but I learned a lot of things that you know and. The big part of it is communication, making sure there's good, clear communication all the way through. You, you know, even if you can't answer somebody's email fully, just to go, hey, I got this. I can't deal with it right now, but I'll get back to you shortly. Mm-hmm. Just so the communication is there. Yeah. To me, that is the huge, um, I think, selling point for here because we really try to make people. When, when I took over the room, people were like, oh, "So what's your?" What's your vision? What's your philosophy? What's it? You know, how are you going to run the room? And I said, it's cabaret. Everybody should have a good time yeah. from the time they book to the when they leave with their audience. No drama, the except end. maybe on the stage. But, you know, <laughs> the rest of the time. And I even, you know, I want our staff to have a good time. So that's that's the philosophy that people can come here and feel they have a performance home, and all they have to worry about is doing the show and, of course, yeah. getting their audience in here. So to backpedal a little bit, sure. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> now, I, I'm a child of the 80s, and right. I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, now, are you, talk, are you talking about the Coming Out of Their Shells tour, like no, the no. music tour? No, no, no. What no, are we talking not, about? We were literally, um, we looked exactly like the cartoons, the cartoon okay. turtles. Okay, okay. And we were a licensed product. Okay. So we would do a show with three characters, either Leonardo and Michelangelo, then then the this constants were April O'Neil and the Shredder. Okay. And we would basically travel around the country doing shows in shopping malls, zoos, state fairs, okay. um, all that type of stuff. So you, uh, I started off as uh, doing Michelangelo, you know, but. That, that was a brutal, brutal costume. It was literally like putting on a football uniform. Everything was fitted, mm-hmm. um, foam fitting, so and this huge black shell. So, like, you're out in the Arkansas Zoo in a, you know, 105-degree temperature with terrible. a solar panel, you know, yeah. bearing down on your back. Yeah, um, yeah. So... Do you know martial arts? Is that a... No, I don't, I don't know. We you know, we goofed around doing some stuff, okay. my, but you know, no, I didn't know anything about that. And literally, you couldn't move that well in the suit. Yeah. But um, so the idea was, unless you really, really loved doing the turtle, was to graduate into playing Shredder. Yeah, because so, <laughs> that was a nice airy, breezy costume. In and out, you didn't lose. Tw- you know, I love that the villain is the promotion. Like that's absolutely. How it goes. That, well, that was the fun part is to play Shredder. Oh, sure, know, yeah. Have, People hiss and boo at you. Though there was one show in Hohenwall, Tennessee, I didn't think I was going to get out alive. Really? Oh yeah, I came out on, on the stage, and I mean, people, the adults. I mean, this was a time when the turtles were on at four o'clock in the morning. You know, <laughs> our first show was in Salt Lake City, and it's like, who's going to come to this? Nobody's. Let's go to lunch. We'll come back. It was so packed. We couldn't get. We had to get a police escort to get to our tent to get to the stage to do the show. That's how many people showed up for it. Wow! Yeah, it was it was amazing. But down in Hohenwald, they uh, I mean, people with uh, I don't know what their job situation was, but I mean, they had guns in the back of the car. You could see it, and they're like, "We hate you, Shredder. We hate. You. We're gonna kill you." I was like, "Holy! Shit, I don't want to go back out there." <laughs> So you were Shredder at this point. I was Shredder at the okay. point. Going, I could die in Hohenwald, Tennessee. 
So you're not doing that anymore. No, 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 was, no, 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 no. But the what the reason Tony DeChico, the owner of the Duplex, um, at the time was with on tour with me. He was. We had an A and a B tour. Okay. The, the A tour. I was on the B tour. The A tour got to go to Hawaii, Guam. Oh, I see. Okay. So there really was right. like a, I get hole okay. wall Tennessee and you know. It's not like you're saying Tennessee. hole in wall Tennessee. Yeah. Honestly. Um, but he uh, had taken a job here and was doing some management accounting work for the company and um, knew that I had a theater background. And so he had also invited me. That's how I kind of got involved in doing the, the management duties. And yeah. then because of my theater background, he yeah. said, you know, come back and do work in the booth type of thing. So that's how I ended, literally ended up at the, the duplexes through the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow, Calabunga. So where are you? Where are you from? From uh, Western New York, just outside of Buffalo, a small town called Brockport. Okay, it's college town, SUNY SUNY school. Cool. Uh, what's your educational background? Did you major in theater? I actually did. I, I was all through high school. I was looking to be an engineer, um, and but I had uh, done clowning a good portion of my life. My mom had multiple sclerosis. Um, so when I would come to visit her in the hospital, I would find these balloon animals, and they absolutely fascinated me. And I finally eventually met this wonderful man, Floyd Seeley, who would just give of his time going through hospitals to make people laugh and smile and this type of stuff. And I came to him when I was eight. I said, I want to learn how to make these. And he's like, mm, come to me when you're ten. If you're still interested when you're ten, I'll teach you. <laughs> turned 10 I was like no kidding yeah wow and I came back and I said okay I'm ready you're gonna teach me he said absolutely and I worked with him all through college we, we did the special olympics we had the international special olympics at Brockport in 1979 um so we we would do those type of things and volunteer at the spinal bifida association situations he was also a member of the shrine clown circus so they would do a lot of volunteer work out of that. So I'd spent a lot of time working with makeup and goofing around and playing, but never really thought about it as any type of career or any of it. My, my dad's a very practical man, so I was taking <laughs> engineering, engineering stuff. And But then I was like, um, we had this lovely program in high school called 313 because there was a college, SUNY Brockport, about 100 yards away from our high school. If you had good enough grades, you could go three years of high school, one year of high school and college combined. So you'd take AP courses in high school, and then you would go over to the college and take those classes over there. But you'd be treated like a full-time freshman. And so I actually ended up getting, you know, like one year of college out of the way for the price of a song. And I took an improv theater class. And I so enjoyed the class and what was going on that I was like, you know what? I might want to do this. So to me, the decision to get into theater was, I mean, literally my senior year and last part of the senior year of high school, it's like, yeah, that's the direction I'm going. Wow. So, and I ended up going to SUNY Brockport because they allowed you to do everything. You didn't have to pick a track. I could do set design there. I could do stage management. I could direct. I could design lights. And you've done all that. And you continue yeah. to do that. Yeah. So we talked briefly about the history of this place and its significant contribution to the cabaret scene, especially in this area of the city. What's different or special about the shows and events here as opposed to um, 
other venues. Other then. venues. Um, well, you know, I don't know if I can actually speak of other venues, but what I've always been shooting for is, you know, you constantly hear about cabaret being about the American Songbook, and mm-hmm. it's like the American Songbook was written for their contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so singing songs, you know, that Frank Sinatra sang that were, you know, written for him now at this day and age, it's all lovely and wonderful. They're great songs. Mm -hmm. They really live the test of time. But I want to hear songs being written now, you know, with composers and, you know, writing for people. Oh, that guy's really talented. Let me write a song for him. Let me, let and get that synergy going of writing the new American songbook. And so I've always had a very, um, soft spot for composers and trying to bring help them along or do whatever I can to make it easy for them to get their works out there and, and to get it exposed to new new situations. What have you learned uh, from the booth? Like from watching, like, well I guess I'll ask a question before I ask that question. Like how many shows do you think you guys host a year oh, wow. in this space? Would you say? Uh, you know, I've done that calculation. Generally, we're doing two shows a night, seven nights a week. Um, you know, and sometimes on Sundays we can do three to four shows. Um, it's it's been this year has been a little up and down, um, but generally it's at least one show a night. Um, and so, and, and that's not repeat people. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's new. So, like when we have, you know. Basically, you know, we're having anywhere from 30 to 50 new shows coming in. Every month. month. Yeah. That's insane. And how many of those, um, percentage-wise, how many do you think you're in the booth for? Like you? Um, it's Lisa's been running it a lot. Lisa Moss is, like, my other half that just, uh, I, I could not do this job if it wasn't her. The smartest thing I ever did was bring her into the club. Um, we've known each other since SUNY Brockport um, because she she gets it. I, I, when I was hiring other technicians, um, I went through a ton of technicians also because I can't make people care and I can't teach feel. And I've had a lot of people who've cared about the job but could not get the lighting right. They couldn't treat the people at the door right. This is this space is a little different because the technician is also the front of house. So you've got to have good people skills <laughs> and be able to... And techies don't always. Don't always. That's why, they, that's why they want to be in the dark. That's yeah. exactly yeah. it. And I get that. So I, you know, I, I have to, you know... I had another guy, Chemo James, who was very good, worked with a long time, um, had that ability. But like I said, in 20 years, I really only had a couple of people that could really juggle all the balls to make it work for everybody. So Lisa's been running um, a good majority of the shows. I, I try and run a couple of nights a week at least just because I want to be here and see the shows and get down when she's running shows. Um, so, so you're probably still seeing like hundreds of shows a year. Is that yeah, yeah, probably an accurate estimate? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in the 20 years that you're seeing all these shows, um, what are some staples that you've learned along the way just kind of watching I think you know. I think the people that do the best here are the ones that really take it seriously you know that it's like oh I'm not you know I'm not just doing this in my living room and you know do it you know so they have the music stand up there and they're reading and you know preparing you know the people that really are, are, are 
sharp in that they they're prepared they've done the work and it's not just I'm going to put my ass on stage and be a star yeah. type of thing um, so up. it does it takes a lot of it, it does take a lot of work there's a lot of preparation that goes into the show because it's not you know it is show business you mm-hmm. know one of the things you also have to do is you have to you're self you know self producing in this type of situation we give you the venue and the, the support around you, but it's up, up to the performer to mm-hmm. to pull in the audience and make sure the show is ready to go and get the word out there and that type of stuff. I think a lot of people don't start promoting early enough, you know, and then they blast people in the final week, you know, where the people get annoyed with you. Begging people putting, to come. Exactly. <laughs> but instead of, like, going, hey, you know, down yeah. the line, you know, I'm going to be doing this, so just you know, keep it in mind, keep yeah. it out there, and that type of stuff. What people should do is, as soon as you book the show, it's like, go, all right, pr- just say, hey, I'm doing this show then. Because yep. it also puts a little more pressure on you. It's like, oh, well, people, should, you know, it's like. Well, this is, I mean, yeah, booking the space is like the best accountability partner yes, ever. Yes, absolutely. And some yeah. people need that. Some people come to me with the show ready to go. Some people use the booking of the date as their impetus to get the show in shape and ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how however you do it, it's it's all cool cool and good. It's just, you know, make sure that when you're when it comes showtime that you're ready to That you are prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Have there been any standout performances over time that like you still think about every Oh yeah. Now? Yeah. There were two women that came in at the same time. Uh, Lisa Brescia, who has gone on to do great things on Broadway. Um, I, I watched her walk on the stage and I was like, that's a star, you know. And a woman doing shows at the exact same time was uh, Daedri Henry, who most of you will know as the woman who sells Popeye chicken. She's that beautiful, gorgeous African-American woman that sells us her uh, chicken. And absolutely delight, but, I mean, can sing like crazy. You know, and she, she put on her show, both of, both of those women put on the show because they didn't feel like they were being taken seriously um, by agents or that type of stuff and they wanted to self-produce and show what they could do and mm-hmm. both of them ended up because of the shows that they did and the work I mean the work that they did in terms of promoting and getting people here ended up really paying off and they, they both had I think great careers you know they might not be household names but and they're making they're doing they're doing, doing their thing. Well. Yeah. They're making their living in the business. Are there any traps or tropes you see many shows falling into consistently? Like, um, I would imagine too many ballads, things things like yeah. that that I'm always... Oh my God, people love the ballad. <laughs> the only people that love the ballad are the singers. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, keep it, you know, uh, yeah, keep it up, you know, and mm-hmm. make sure that you have enough up material in it. Um, what I, uh, one of the things when people are doing original work in that, I think it's important to throw a palate cleanser in there, and that's rework, uh, you know, rework a cover. Into a cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, throw one or two of those in there. Show show how original you can be with somebody else's work, because <laughs> what it does, it, it kind of like people kind of start to get lulled in because they're like they don't really know all the lyrics, they don't know the tunes, and so it. St- but then you, you throw in something that they do know, and it re- kind of re-energizes them going, oh, let me listen with fresh ears. Hmm. So then the rest of the show, they're kind of like more more present. And I've seen that work 
It, it works every time. Any other traps or like talking too much or? Um, I think it depends on the show. I mean, you know, have you how much? How, many, how, how big of a band have you seen on that stage at well, once? Well, Lisa and I once produced with uh, Will Van Dyke, who is the... Uh, I know Will Van Dyke. Do you? Yeah, yeah, very talented. Well, I, I, Will had done a show. Not, he actually didn't do a show. Um, he had one of his songs in somebody else's concert. And I really liked what he had written. And I was like, pulled him aside, and I'm like, you know, I'd really like to see what else you got. And I, I got him together with Lisa, and they put together a concert um, called The Grass is Always Greener and it put together some of his shows and um, and it really kind of got him going about you know behind his writing and all that type of stuff and he's, he's just really flourished mm-hmm. in where he's where he's yeah. going and doing what he's doing Will wanted to do um, called a thing, thing called Rockin' Off Mondays uh, meaning off Mondays that these the pit musicians would come down here and play rock and roll music. Well, that's cool. So you know we did you know uh, a full band for an Elton John show. Selena Carvajal was in that show. Okay, yeah. Um, as listeners may know, her as Lena Hall now. Yes, yeah, Lena Hall. Um, so we had I mean literally he he just stacked the stage. She. We had a violin player, we had a saxophone player, we had a cellist, we had lead guitar, we had rhythm guitar, we had bass guitar, we had drums, and I think there was some other things in, in there as well. So, I mean, the stage was just, literally, the actors had room enough to get on, sing their song, and, and squeeze back <laughs> on. Because he, he's like, ah, do we, and it's, do we need all? Yes, I need it all. So, literally, we packed, we packed that stage. I want to talk about overdone songs. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, like of of all time, and uh, then like right now, like what are you sick of hearing? See, Lisa keeps a list of this. They're Does called, she? They're, oh yeah, they're yeah. Called, they're called shot songs. So anytime somebody <laughs> sings, them, the staff get together in the room and take a shot. No, they're not supposed to. No, but no. literally, that's that's the thing. You know, it was like almost anything from Wicked. You know, okay, yeah. Um, it, Wicked's still very much overdone. Um, anything by Jason Robert Brown. Mm-hmm. Extremely, extremely over. It's so funny when some, you know some young kid comes in. I just found this song, and, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, bless oh, you!" Yes. You know, I, but you know, sometimes you know, for me, because I see so many shows, I do see. It's not necessarily that audience has seen that song, right? right. So you know, you have to you have to be aware of your audience. If you're playing to a theater group, mm-hmm. then they're probably going to have heard these things in auditions and over and over again. Stars in the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, glitter and be gay. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, at least Lisa is the purveyor of this, this <laughs> list. I, Please I, send me this list. <laughs> I would I would love to take a look at okay. it. Okay. All right. I will. I, will I know that um, the four below they have a list of uh, they have a scratch sheet of uh, how many times they hear Metal Lark every year. You like know, that's, we that's... used Metal Lark used to be a big song, um, but I haven't heard it. I think I heard it for the first time here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a gorgeous song. Mm -hmm. So, uh, are you hearing a lot of "Let It Go" these days? Is that no, not so much. But you want to hear a really interesting story? Yes, please. Okay, Um, Bobby Lopez. Yes, Bobby Lopez um, did met his uh, you know um, writing partner here and. They had done a show, and so he—he's always had a fondness for the duplex. 
He called me up before last year's Oscars, and he said, look, we want to, Adina wants to kind of just try the song out in front of a, a public audience before going to the Oscars. Could we come down on a Sunday afternoon? Stop it. And, yeah. And I got in so much trouble because I arranged it. And he goes, I really want to keep it on the QT. And, but So people were furious. You didn't let us know? And I was like, I didn't think. I mean, what? Uh, okay, <laughs> I made a mistake, I guess. Because it was like, <laughs> but yeah, Bobby and Adina came down into the piano bar about you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and just sang a couple of the songs, rocked it out. No. Yeah, it was really, it was really, I didn't, I wasn't even here, you know, so, but Man. I just kind of like, Bobby was like, yeah, can we do this? And I like, email coming back and forth and it was done and they had a great time. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was really, really cool because everybody here really were out of their minds about it. Yeah, no, I'm grinning from ear to ear just thinking about yeah, it. It was really, it was a sweet moment, it really was. But, you know, they, they actually do a lot. Darius Frowner down in the piano bar knows a lot. He's here on Mondays and Thursday nights. He knows a lot of Broadway people, and they come down and sing and support with him. Um, so What nights are those, folks? Um, Monday. Monday nights? Thursday nights. Thursday nights. Darius Frowner is the pianist. Okay. Um, really cool guy, and you get interesting people down there. There's a lot of good people down there. I mean, Brian Nash is down here, mm-hmm. who's one of the producers of Silence, the musical. Um, they're, they're, they're incredibly talented down there. It's a great place to, to go down there and just belt out a song in a, in a very supportive environment. Any of those, including me, who are putting a show up here, do you have any, just, do you have any broad advice that we haven't already covered? Be prepared for your tech. You know, it's amazing, you know, like I'll tell people ahead of time to have, give me a clean tech sheet, mm-hmm. a song list to go through and we'll get here and so often they'll go, oh, let me just write that out for you. Mm-hmm. Like, really? This is your time. You're, you're wasting your time writing it down when I ask for something. Because the way, the way my eye works when I'm teching a show, I look, I don't look at the song titles or anything. Like, I look for what my handwriting is. So if you're writing in handwriting and then I'm writing my it's it, it looks like a mess to me. Yeah. Um, so it's and I have the worst handwriting known to man, so I'll make sure you have something nice and typed up. So aerial. You know, just a clean clean text sheet, you know, have um, people I think sometimes people worry about things that they don't really need to worry about. It's like, oh I, I, I wanna design the lights for like, oh, you know what, we've been doing this for you know, Lisa's been doing it for ten, I've been doing it for twenty. We know what to do with the lights. If yeah. you have something specific, go ahead and you can, you know. But other than that, just kind of let us do our work. And I yeah. guarantee you, guarantee you, you'll like it. It's not for, it's really not for the performer. It's for the technician to know exactly what the performer needs. Yeah. You know, so it's not really a run through. We let you, you know, go through a couple of songs and that type of stuff and then go through there. But it's really to make sure that the technician can give you everything you want for your show. And we're, you know, it, it's even though it's called the Duplex Cabaret Theater, it's not a theater tech. It's very boom, boom, straightforward. We oh, walk yeah. you right through it, and can be most shows I can tech in in twenty minutes if if the performer just you know trusts me and gets out of the way. I never do that to anybody, but it's like if we get caught up against something where I have to do it quickly, I can do it. This was such a pleasure. I'm so glad to have met you and got to know you as a uh, better as a person. Yeah. And, 
And, um, yeah, it just kind of reaffirms everything that I love about the, the duplex cabaret. Oh, thank you. And thank you. Um, We're looking forward yeah. to your concert. I'm looking forward to it, too. Um, thank you so much, and um, buy your tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's time to set up the song. If you follow me on any form of social media, you know that I've been practicing for this concert by singing my songs at open mics around town. As a teaser, here is a live recording of me performing a song from my concert set list called Somebody Else as part of Actoria in the Astor Room. And if you haven't heard of Actoria in the Astor Room, I highly recommend checking it out. It happens every Wednesday night from 8 to 11 p.m. at the Astor Room in Astoria, Queens. Hosted fabulously by Josh Bardier and David Bryant Johnson, it's a wonderful showcase for fresh new talent and me. Did I mention there's no cover and no drink minimum? Yeah, so if you live in Astoria and what young musical theater performer doesn't, Wednesday nights, Victoria in the Astor Room. Do it. I also have a concert coming up where I'm going to be singing a whole set of my songs at the Duplex on Friday the 24th. Uh, if you're interested, please um, go to my website, which is jolbinu.com. Uh, this is a song from that set. Uh, this is called, uh, this is Somebody Else. You had asked if I care to dance, dear, beneath the blinding moonlight's glow. You were seeking out some romance, dear, and I declined politely. Now, but you may have a better chance, dear, if you don't mind my saying so. How can I put this? If you have somebody else and somebody else's grace and somebody else's style and somebody else's face if you were somebody else's ball with somebody else's charms if you'd avoid all that I told you I may want to hold you in my arms that's not to say Change a thing. 
sure to become a premium subscriber, a perfect investment for voice teachers, burgeoning musical theater writers, and my fellow Broadway nerds in general. Follow me on all things social media, and you may find those links and so much more on joelbnew.com. Please visit my guests' websites. Uh, Nikki can be found at nikkimccallum.net, melanie at melaniecan.com, and thomashonick at theduplex.com. Subscribe to, rate, review this podcast, tell your friends all about it. Special thanks to Peyton Royal at Website Lines, Stephanie Layton at Red Scandal Graphics, Miss Layton just had a concert called Steph Sings Standards with Three Handsome Fellas at Cafe Vivaldi, which just happened last night. I meant to plug her show on here, only to remember I don't understand calendars. So congrats, Steph. Hope you enjoy this belated plug. <laughs> from my apartment in Inwood, this is Joel B. New saying thank you for dropping by for something new. Thank you.